Everybody doing good? Hey, honored to have you in the house today. Uh, what a pleasure and what a joy it is. My name is Devin. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, what a privilege it is to have you in the house of God. Anybody ready to grow today? I got a lot to say in a short period of time, so I'm really going to get right into the word today. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. <laughs> She's on my payroll. Uh, praise God. Uh, we love you. We love you. Thank you so much. Uh, 31 years old today. Getting older and uh, hopefully wiser. Praise God. Um, I want to introduce my wife really quick, babe. Can you just stand up really fast? Just wave to the people. This is my beautiful Brasileira. Love that girl. You don't have to go to Brazil to see the most beautiful thing in it because she's right there, girl. Uh, and she also has that Fortaleza fire, if you know what I'm talking about, right there. So love that girl. Uh, she's the best. Uh, I got my kids downstairs. I have two sons, Zion and Ezra James. And uh, we're all going to Algonquit, the beach today, right after service. So uh, let's just wrap up right now. Uh, praise God. Uh, I'm kidding. Uh, let's go to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Uh, I'm just forewarning you ahead of time. If you want to grow, you're going to love this message. If you want to remain the same, you'll just have to endure for 33 minutes and 40 seconds. Um, as you're turning there, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, uh, it's my custom uh, for the reading of God's word. Everybody stand to their feet. It is a symbol of honor and that we're about to engage in some holy moments. And so throw up the text there, guys. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, this is what the Bible says. When I was a child, I talked like a child, thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. But now I have become a man, and I'm done with the childish ways. Come on, I'm done. With, the Bible can just preach all by itself. Come on, everybody. I'm done with the childish ways, and I've put them aside. Um, I love that verse because one of my favorite uh, pastors, he speaks to men, and he says, listen, males are born, but men are made. And he essentially just says, hey, there's, there's a point in your life where it's time to grow up. And this is going to be that kind of sermon. And so do I have anybody that's going to preach back to me today or no? Okay, okay, just testing the waters, checking it out. Uh, it's time to grow up in your faith. It's time to take the next step. And I want to take the next few minutes and really debrief what that looks like. I want to give you a target of what you're looking for. And then I really want to teach from the subject, the marks of maturity, the marks of maturity. Let's marry this text and go to Colossians chapter 1, verse 28. This is what the Bible says. The Bible says, Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone fully mature, one translation says, in Christ. Our goal at this church is not to entertain you, but to enlist you into the army of God and to advance the kingdom culture. Amen. That is our goal. And contrary to popular belief, coming to church, listen, our church, there's a season where you can receive, but then there's a season where you need to lead. And I want to speak to the leader on the inside of you. And when you hear messages like this, and I can even see it in first service, I can see it when I've spoken uh, concepts and principles from this text. Uh, I see it all the time where people just disqualify themselves because, oh, leadership, that's, that's reserved for somebody else. I, I, I don't know. I, I believe in Jesus. I like Jesus. But listen, I'm telling you, God has something on the inside of you. And I believe this, that God puts things on the inside of you, and it needs a pastor or a coach or a leader to pull it out of you. And I'm believing that that's going to happen this day. Amen, everybody? So 
we're not going to remain stagnant and we're not going to remain stuck in our faith. I believe that we're going to do exactly what that text just said is I was once a child, but then I became a man. I was once a woman. I was once a young lady, but then I became a woman of God. And I want to speak to that person on the inside of you today. Can I get an amen from somebody today? I want to preach from the marks of maturity. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you, Jesus, for these moments that we shared together. Put me on like a glove and use me. I know that it is not going to be my words that touches anybody's heart or transforms their life. It has to be your word through my voice. And so, Father, I pray that there would be clarity. I pray that there would be confidence that people walk out of here with. They came in burdened and they leave blessed in Jesus' name. So help us today to see Jesus, to hear from heaven, and to encounter the power of God. We love you, Lord. We know that this is going to be a miraculous moment, not just another Sunday. And so, Father, we pray a double portion anointing also over our Celtics in Celtics in 7. In Jesus' mighty name. And come on, somebody said amen and amen. Hey, high five five people around you. Give them some love. Give them some love. Anybody watch the game last night? Woo, what an emotional roller coaster that was. My gosh. My gosh. <laughs> so, Joe, stick with me for a minute, okay, brother? I want to I come in hot. Can we go right into the message? Yeah. All right. We have to operate with this, uh, with this assumption and with this clarity right off the bat. And it's this, is that we have to make sure that we know that there is a difference between aging and maturing. You need to know that getting older doesn't necessarily mean you're getting better. Just because you're getting older doesn't mean you're getting better. Listen. All of us, we have to understand, all of us are imperfect just because of our nature. But not all of us are immature. Because imperfection is a reality, but immaturity is a choice. So listen to me. You must be somebody that is intentional about your spiritual and personal development. And these are my two passions. I really only know one way, and that's to grow. And I have decided that I'm going to grow until I go. Anybody else? Come on, is there anybody else? I don't want to remain stuck. I don't want to remain stagnant. I don't want to remain the same in my faith or my, or, or my person. I want to keep on growing and progressing and go from strength to strength, glory to glory. This is what the Bible wants for us, and this is what scriptures teach us and gives us a pathway to do so. That being said, I think so many of us need to understand a few things, and in order to move forward, we must go backwards. So I want to lay a foundation of what salvation really is because many people just assume that salvation is just getting to heaven. But listen to me, salvation has implications here on earth as well. In his book, uh, Ten Qualities Going from a Believer to a Disciple, author Dennis Rouse highlights in contrast these two terms. He says, many people are believers, but God's heart for you is to become a disciple. So believers are people that have received the forgiveness of God, but a disciple is somebody that has received the leadership and the guidance of God for their everyday life. And so he really highlights and contrasts these two terms, is that God says in the Great Commission, he literally says, go therefore into all the world and make disciples of many nations, not just believers. So churches don't always have this heart, is they want a lot of people to come to church, and our intent and our heart at this church is we do not care if we have a big church, we want to develop big people. And so we care way more about the person that is coming and the person that is being developed than the amounts of people coming. I would much rather have, I don't want a crowd, I want a church. I want people that care about their faith, that, that go home and lay hands on their children at night, that prioritize kingdom purposes, that see themselves as spiritual entrepreneurs, not just accumulating money and stuff just so they can have it for themselves, but they can advance kingdom purposes. That's our heart at this house.
Only four people want that. That's fine. We're going to do it at the end of this message, and we're going to repent at the end. So Dennis Rouse highlights and contrasts these two terms, believers and disciples. And I want to read a couple of things that he says in his book. He says this. He says, believers are people that see Jesus as their Savior, but they live to please themselves. Disciples see Jesus as Lord, but they live to please God. Believers think of church as a place to hear what God says. Disciples think of church as a place to learn to do what God says. Believers choose their own path and ask God to bless it. (laughs) Disciples ask God to reveal the path and they follow it. Believers follow the example of the world and they seek only success, but disciples follow the example of Jesus to humbly serve. Here's my favorite one. Believers are curious about the things of God, but disciples are serious about the things of God. I remember hearing the story uh, not long ago of a man who was in church for three decades of his life, over 30 years. He's been bringing his family to church. He knew the word inside out. He's heard every sermon on just about every single subject. But there was this one pastor that comes forward and he preaches this message and he gives just the unadulterated gospel. He gives the gospel message. He gives an altar call. And the man who's been in church for his entire life, essentially, his entire spiritual life, 30 years in church, responds to this altar call. Even though his whole family is here, they're God-fearing people. And he responds and he gives his life to Christ. He comes back home and his family's asking this question, why did you do that? Like, you've given your life to Jesus. You've dedicated your life to Jesus. And he says, I thought I did. But what he said was, the Holy Spirit convicted me during this message and I responded to the altar call because I realized this, is that the Spirit of God told me, I thought I dedicated my life to Jesus 30 years ago, but I dedicated my life to my denomination 30 years ago. And if we're honest, there's so many people that come to church and they have a relationship with their pastor and not a relationship with Jesus. Ugh. Am I making sense? And we have to, we got to be honest with ourselves and we got to take audit of our faith journey is have I inherited a faith because of what somebody else has said about God or have I sought God for myself? The Bible says in Jeremiah, those who seek me will find me when they seek me with all of their heart. So before we move forward into spiritual maturation, into spiritual development and spiritual growth, because I'm just assuming and operating under the assumption that all of us in this room, you're coming here because you want to grow in your faith. Amen? Amen? Amen. I'm just assuming and operating off of that assumption. But first, in order to move forward, we must look backwards and we must understand something about salvation. Now, I'm going to introduce you to a theological term. Uh, You're all set, brother. Thank you so much. I'm going to introduce you to a theological term for a second, and this term is called soteriology. Soteriology. This is the study of salvation. But many people have a reductionist view of their salvation. Is They just think that it is limited as fire insurance to go to heaven. What they don't realize is that there is so much more than just the eternal life that God offers. He also offers you abundant life. And, and believers experience eternal life and praise God that you don't have to be separated from God if you put your faith and trust in Jesus. It is not by your works. It is by God's grace. If you receive it by faith, that is how you get to heaven. And that's eternal life. And praise God. And we're praying for you to receive that today. But there are so many people that have settled for just being saved when you could be blessed. So many people. But this requires you from walking from this side of the table and saying, I'm going to be a believer and walking into the place to saying, I'm going to be a disciple. You have to understand these two different terms because because some people are experiencing eternal life, but some people will experience the abundant life. And we have to see the scriptures properly because the scriptures don't just help you to become a good person. They actually help you to live a good life. 
This is why the study of Scripture is so important and is imperative for your spiritual growth. Now, I'm having a conversation with my life group recently, and our life group is basically a group of people that we want to intentionally invest in and spend life with and do life together. And all of you guys need a small group, and all of you guys need a family to belong to. Because coming to church on a Sunday will not help you with certain seasons that you're going to go through. You might get encouraged here, but you can get challenged in a small group. Everybody needs a small group. Can I get an amen? Because you can't become your best self by yourself. So we're having a conversation with our life group, and I'm preparing for this message. And I just propose this question. I just say, hey, guys, like, what, what do you think is spiritual maturity? I wanted to kind of gauge the audience. And, and then we can start popcorning answers back and forth. And some people are like, oh, it's the understanding of Scripture. It's knowing the Bible. It's, it's the ability to discern spirits. It's the ability to, you know, forgive your neighbor as God has forgiven you. And, and all these things were right, and all these things were good. And I said, listen, God, I, I love these answers. I'm writing some of these down. And these things are important. But for so many Christians, we get it so wrong so badly so often. Here's what I mean by this. Is these are secondary issues, but if we don't understand what spiritual maturity really is, if you get your target wrong, you're going to get your faith wrong. Here's what I mean by this. Is so many of us believe this, and so does my life group, and I had to correct us. So many of us believe that it's doing more. And doing more godly things. And that's what spiritual maturity is. It's acquiring more information about God. It's acquiring more information about his word. It's knowing the Bible better. And this is, this is where we get it wrong. It's spiritual maturity is not doing more, but becoming more like Jesus. If you get your target wrong, you'll get your faith wrong. So this is what the Bible says, and, and really this is all of spiritual maturity wrapped up in one word and one expression. Spiritual maturity, godliness, is wrapped up in this one word and this one person, Jesus. Jesus. This is what the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse, I think it's 38. It says this, for God, uh, for God foreknew and he predestined us to be conformed to the image of his Son. In other words, God literally put on flesh, he became, he, he left divinity, came down to be humanity, lived 33 years, he died for our sins, and he died to be our savior, but he lived to be our example. Jesus isn't just your savior, he's also your example, and he shows you how to live life. So ultimately, this is the entire message wrapped up in one little thought, it is this, is that Jesus became like us, so you could become like him. The ultimate expression of spiritual maturity is not liking Christ. It's becoming Christ-like. And if we get it wrong and we think we have to know more about the Bible, how many know this? Is there's a lot of people that know more about the Bible, but they look nothing like Jesus. And if we get our target wrong, we get our faith wrong. And so the goal of the Christian faith and the goal and intent of God's heart for all of us is that we become more like him and that we would live like Jesus, we would love like Jesus, and we would lead like Jesus. Am I making sense, everybody? So when we receive salvation, this is what happens. The Bible says that you, have, you experience regeneration, that your heart, your spirit is literally regenerated and transformed. What this means is you get a new spirit. Now you have a new nature. Is you have new desires. Anybody else remember this when you got saved for the first time and all of a sudden you started getting convicted about things you didn't previously get convicted about? You know, you drop a little swear once in a while and you're just like, I feel dirty after I just said that. And then, I, I don't know, I just got convicted about things that I previously didn't get convicted about because you have a new spirit. But the problem with salvation is you get a new spirit. The problem with life is that you don't have an old mind. So this is why the Bible says you have a new spirit, but it says you must be transformed, therefore, by the renewing of your mind. So your mind is your responsibility. So you have a responsibility to transform and to renew your mind. 
And this is what we call the process of sanctification. So you receive salvation, and that is what renews and, and, and transforms and regenerates your spirit. But you have a new spirit with an old mind. Am I making sense, everybody? I can't tell if I'm blowing your minds or some of you guys are like, what is this guy talking about right now? You guys forget that. I can see you looking back at me. So you get a new spirit, but you have an old mind. And so when we engage in the sanctification process, that is us transforming how we think and now aligning our priorities and God's desires with our priorities and God's desires. Making sense, everybody. So this is the sanctification process. Now, for so many of us, we get stuck in our spiritual growth and we get stunted in our spiritual growth because of many different reasons. And I want to list a few things. So I kind of ask a question in my, in my message, which is this. Is, is what is preventing you from experiencing God's best? What's preventing you from experiencing God's best? Why are you staying stuck and why are you staying stagnant in the place that you're in? I'll illustrate it this way. Uh, my sister Mallory, so I have three younger sisters. Pray for me for the love of Jesus. Uh, I have three younger sisters. The oldest of the three sisters, her name is Mallory. Now when Mallory is born, from really about zero to about eight, nine months old, she actually had a stunt in her growth. Now part of it was uh, chem chemical or biological. Another part of it was we believe that some of the formula that she was getting was actually stunting her growth to where she eventually got diagnosed with this a term of she, was, she had failure to thrive. How many would never want that to be stated in your life? So we actually switched up a couple things because we realized her growth was being hindered by some of this formula that she was using to the point where at one years old she was only 12 pounds and she had a double zero size foot. So she was small. And so some of her growth was stunted because of what happened earlier and some of your spiritual growth has been stunted by what? And that's what I want to highlight today. So I would say a lot of people are stunted in their spiritual growth because of number one, ignorance. 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 Is there are some things that you don't know that's actually hurting you. Is some people think because they have a foolish theology or they have no theology or they've inherited a theology from somebody else that thinks they know the Bible but they gave you something that was not actually the Bible. So people are frustrated by what, they're frustrated with God but they don't realize that God never said what they said, what he said. Am I making sense? We did a series called Churchianity before. Anybody remember that series? So we did a series called Churchianity. We're actually bringing it back in the fall. I'm really excited to go back into it in part two, volume two of Churchianity. But here's the problem is you have a lot of good people with good hearts and good intent, but the good people can still give you bad information. And if we're honest, many of our theology has been transferred by somebody else, not our own personal experience with the Bible. So our theology is what somebody has told me not what God actually said. So we're frustrated with God when really we should be frustrated with somebody gave me wrong information and bad information. So we have to be careful that we're not uninformed or we're misinformed, but we're well-informed. Because ignorance is not bliss. Listen to me, ignorance is expensive. For the Bible says in Hosea chapter 4, verse 6, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. He literally says there are some things that you don't know that is actually killing you. Which is why I need to tell some of you guys today, some of you guys are going through such tough seasons and it will not get better until you get better. And how are you going to get better? You need to radically immerse yourself in places where people want to grow. Because when you're around other people and other believers that are mature, that are strong in their faith, you get stronger in your faith just by osmosis. So listen to me. Write this down in your notes for those that are note takers. Um, um, God is enough, but Sundays are not. God is enough, but Sundays aren't. Meaning, 
Some of us don't even come to church on a regular basis, and no wonder your spirit is so dying on the inside because you're not getting fed good food. But you don't just need a Sunday morning faith. You need a Monday morning faith. Why? Because God doesn't have grandchildren. He only has children. You, you can't live your life with a relationship with God through your grandmother, through your dad, or through your pastor. So some of us need to just start to grow and mature where we don't just rely on a sermon to feed us once a week, but we actually learn how to feed ourselves. So God is enough, but Sundays are not, which is why I would offer to so many of you, I need to see a lot of you in CLA in the fall. You need to grow in your leadership. You need to grow in your faith. This is a great place to do it. You need to get in a small group. We don't just offer it because we want to get you in some system and then all of a sudden some boxes checked off. No, we care about having big people, not just a big church. And there are some seasons in life that you will go through that you cannot do it by yourself. I'm preaching real good even if one person over in this corner is shouting me down. Ignorance, ignorance is keeping you stuck. It's keeping you stuck. Two would be this, is injuries, injuries. As I had somebody tell me this recently is, they go, Dev, we don't see life as it is. We see life as we are. So you have a filter on your eyes that literally prohibits you from seeing things as they actually are. How many have, let me ask a question. Where did you get your filter from? Was it from pain of the past or is it the promises of God for your future? Where did you get your filter from? Because some of us can't even see the blessings that are around us because all we see is through the filter of pain and the filter of our injuries. I, uh, I have these sunglasses. They're called uh, Maui Gym. They're, they're brand Maui Gym. I, I love these things. They're polarized. They're awesome. And uh, they, they have literally like a color filter on them so things just kind of pop and color pops whenever I'm wearing them. So I walk into this restaurant this one, one uh, Tuesday, and I'm with a few staff members, and we walk into Marathon Deli right up the street, and they have these TVs with like 40 different options of what you can choose to eat. So I walk in there, and uh, I look at their TVs, and all the TVs are completely black and completely shut down, and I'm like, I guess they're having a malfunction. I typically get something very similar every time, so I walk up, and I tell uh, both the staff members that were with me, I was like, I can give you guys some suggestions because I know the TVs are down. They're like, what are you talking about? The TVs are down. All the TVs are, are completely up. There's like 40 different options right here. And I was like, the, the TVs are clearly all completely blacked out. What are you talking about? And they're like, Dev, look at, open your eyes. And I was like, my eyes are open. These freaking things are off right now. And then I was like, what are you, t-? and I realized I had my sunglasses on. I shifted them up and all of a sudden, boom, TVs are on. So these polarized view, the polarized view that I had actually prohibited me from seeing some of these things on the screen. And isn't that so many of us? Where you actually can't see some options and other people see tons of options because you are looking through the filter of pain. That's a good sermon illustration right there. Is, is what filter are you looking through and where did you get your filter from? In order for you to progress in your spiritual journey, in order for you to progress in your life, listen, you have to address some of your injuries because some of your injuries, some of your trauma is getting in the way of your future. So you have to revisit your history to move forward into your destiny. Your ignorance, your injuries, here be a third one, is this, your insecurities. Insecurities. Now listen, some people... I'll say it this way. Everybody has insecurities, but not everybody is insecure. Everybody's got insecurities, but not everybody is insecure. And listen, so much of your life is determined by if you're confident or not. 
because God can open a door, but because you're insecure, you won't walk into the, the hallway that God has opened up for you. So I wrote this in my notes. Um, how far we go and how far we grow is not just determined by what we believe about God. It's equally determined by what you believe about you. So, so many of you hear something like this, that God has a mighty man of valor on the inside of you. That, ladies, you guys are bosses. You guys can do not what, not what culture says. You can do what God says you could do. And so many people disqualify these things because they immediately just say all the insecurities start flooding in. And it's like, I can't, I can't do that. And this is all of the narrative of the Old Testament, by the way. There are so many characters in the Old Testament. Gideon, for example. God says, you mighty man of valor. And Gideon goes, I'm from the smallest tribe. Who are you talking to? And he's like, God, have you seen my history? Like, there is no leadership here at all. Why do you want to use me? And so many people have used their history to become their authority instead of God's word. Is you've allowed the past or the lack thereof or a lack of results to determine what you think your future could be. I'm telling you, God wants to introduce you to a you have never met yet. He wants to transform how you think, not just about him, but what you think about you. And confidence is necessary for you to walk into your calling. Am I making sense, everybody? That is insecurity. But here would be the last one, and this is the most important one, especially for the subject matter of today. It is this. You have ignorance. You have, you have what? You have ignorance, injuries, you have insecurities, and you have immaturity. Immaturity. Um, attached and following closely behind maturity is blessing, but following closely behind immaturity is consequences. How many know we've made some decisions in previous seasons that still affect us to this season? Anybody know what I'm talking about here? Uh, when I was 25, uh, I had a basketball game, and I got super invested into this game. And uh, I was super frustrated by the result of it. I was frustrated with myself, my gameplay, and uh, also my teammates, to the point where I had an emotional outburst, and I punched a wall. Now, the wall punches back, let me just tell you that. Uh, to fight an inanimate object, you are always going to lose every single time, just so you know. To this day, actually, my right knuckle on my pinky finger, uh, my right pinky knuckle uh, is completely swollen, and I have edema built up in it, and I feel it every time I move my hand. And six years later, I'm still suffering from the consequences of that decision. How many know immaturity has consequences? But maturity has blessings. I want to show you something in the scriptures in Galatians chapter 4. Guys, throw up this text really quick. Galatians chapter 4 highlights this metaphor between a child and a slave. Watch this. This is what the Bible says. But now to continue, the son who will receive his father's property is treated just like a slave while he is young. Now watch this. So, so dad is the one with all these resources, and the son has all this inheritance in the future, right? But they say they're actually, they're actually withholding it, not because of his age, but because of his maturity level. So even though he really owns everything, all this stuff is really his, but they're withholding it until he matures. There are some blessings that are only reserved for the mature. There are some blessings that you will never receive until you have the maturity to be able to properly steward it. And some of you guys are asking God, God, send me a miracle. I need some help. Listen, the more maturity you have, the less miracles you're going to need. I'm going to just say amen to myself since nobody else is doing that. Amen. That was a solid point, Pastor Devin. <laughs> While he's young, the Bible says, there, there are men that take care of him and manage his affairs until the time set by his father. What does that mean? Until he grows up and until he matures. 
And then it says, uh, in the same way, we too were slaves of the ruling spirits of the universe before we reached spiritual maturity. Now, I want you to see this about this text. Is the Bible likens immaturity to slavery. The Bible literally is saying, as you are immature, essentially you are enslaved. So God is obsessed with you becoming all that God wants you to be. And we know the goal and the target is for you to become more like Christ. It's not to like Christ, but to be Christ-like. Our spiritual maturation will determine whether your life is miserable or memorable. So you have two choices, misery or maturity. Which one will you choose? Misery or maturity. Which one are you going to choose? I remember listening to this uh, term recently. It's called Peter Pan syndrome. Of course, derived from the the movie Peter Pan. And uh, Peter Pan was a young man that never grew up, right? He never grew up. He never aged. And so psychologists have termed this phrase of Peter Pan syndrome where somebody is an adult biologically, but they're still an infant emotionally. Add spiritual to that. Is there are many people in faith that have been in church for 30 years, 10 years, 15 years, a couple different years, even one year, and you still have remained the same. I told you this is a PG-13 message. This is not something where you're just going to come in and be encouraged and you get some nice little tickled ears. This is going to be important for your growth because your family determined is going to be blessed by your maturity or by your immaturity. So there are so many of us that you need to get the challenge like this to not stay stuck for where you currently are because God has more for your life. Can I get an amen? amen? He's got more for you, but it's going to require you to grow in your faith. Can I give you a few different things of what maturity actually looks like? Because so many people are like, I know when I see it, but I don't know what I'm looking for. So the first thing we got to do is we got to identify what maturity is not, and then we're going to identify what maturity actually is. Can we handle that for a few more minutes? Good with that? Okay, first would be this. Maturity is not, number one, age. It's not age. Because how many know? We know a lot of people that are older in life, but they're still immature in life. Maturity is not age. Just because somebody's old doesn't mean they're wise. Maturity is marked by wisdom. I have a lot of, in my experience as a youth pastor, I've seen 16-year-olds that are far more mature than a lot of 45-year-olds. So maturity has nothing to do with age. It has nothing to do with academics either. I highlighted this before earlier, but there are people that know so much of the Bible and they're scholars and they're students and they're theologians, yet they look nothing like Jesus. Matter of fact, it's the Pharisees oftentimes that push people away from God than draw him closer. So it has nothing to do with age, it has nothing to do with academics, and it has nothing to do with achievement because you could have millions in your bank account, but you can be miserable with your life. You could have... All these successes, all these degrees in a great position uh, that seems successful into the world. But the reality is, is you could be a failure in your family or you could be a failure in your faith. So maturity is not age. It's not academics. It's not achievement. So what is maturity? I'm going to give you seven over the next four minutes and 28 seconds. Can you handle that today? I'm calling this the marks of maturity because listen to me. You can be young only once, but you can be immature indefinitely. So it is time to walk into the wisdom of God. It's time to walk into the wisdom of God. So what does maturity look like? We identified the primary source of maturity is to look more like Christ. But there is evidence of what Christ-likeness looks like. And here would be the first. The marks of maturity. Number one would be this. Attitude. attitude. Somebody say attitude. 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 Is, do you react to life or do you respond to life? 
I've learned this about life is that life is far less about your position that you hold and more about the disposition that you have. Is are you somebody that is humble? Are you somebody that is hungry? Are you somebody that can receive feedback, can receive correction, can receive coaching? Because how many know, uh, for those of us that have kids, you know sometimes your kids don't get what they want, and what do they do? They throw a huge fit. Oh, what are you talking about, Mom? And it just highlights immaturity. But attitude is a determinant of what maturity actually is. Are you humble enough to receive correction? My dad says it like this. He goes, if you cannot receive concrete discipline, you'll either be behind concrete one day. So, do you have a humble heart and a confident step? It's attitude. Attitude. So much I could say on this, but I have such limited time. Here'd be number two. Throw up number two there, guys. Number two would be attendance. Um, in this day and age, uh, so many people skip church, skip the house of God. Listen, church is not an event, church is an investment. And the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 through 25, it literally says that don't give up meeting together as many people are in the habits of doing, but actually you should meet all the more. But some people come to church because of the gimmicks and they don't come to church because they want to grow. Is there anybody here that just says, I want to grow. I want to become all that God has for me. I don't want to just remain stuck. I want to grow in my faith. And so you need to prioritize what Jesus prioritized because Jesus, as was his custom, was in the house of God on a regular basis. So if spiritual maturity is to look, love, and lead like Jesus, well, he prioritized the house of God and so should you. It's so important. But the problem is this, is many people come to church because they have a preference of who's speaking. <laughs> Can I go there for a sec? Is we don't come to church for the man, we come to church for the message. That's what the mature do. Is there not people, there are people that will literally come to church. Who's speaking this Sunday? Ah, I'm not going to church today. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. It's foolish, it's immature, and you need to be rebuked if that's you. <laughs> but we don't come to church because of who, our preference of who is speaking. We come to church because we open up the word of God, and even if I don't love the message, I can still get some nutrients out of it and apply it to my everyday life. Because consumers come to hear the word, but believers and disciples come to apply the word. That's attendance. That's attendance. Three. Three. Throw up third. Three would be assignment. You know I'm passionate about this if you heard me preach before. It's all about purpose. So what is purpose? Purpose is the general aspect of your life to accomplish all that God has for you. But assignment is the seasonal, uh, the seasonal invitation of what you're currently in. So are you following the purposes of God or the pleasures of everyday life? Can I remind everybody in this room, one day you will answer to God for your life. Not what your pastor told you, not what your mom, not what your dad told you, not what your boss or your clients told you. You will answer to God for your life. So ultimately, we don't live for an audience of many. We live for an audience of one. And you will either live at the end of your life and account to God for your life with either rewards or regrets. And the mature are people that are obsessive with what God has called them to do and go all after that calling. And that's your assignment. I love what Paul says. He says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race and I have kept the faith. I pray you and I will be able to say that one day when we go into our deathbed and go off to heaven with our Lord and Savior. Fourth would be this, would be appetites. Appetites. You guys getting some nada so far? Appetites. Appetites. Is um, 
P.D. referenced this last week. But in Scripture, in Hebrews, the Bible says it like this. He goes, some of you ought to be teachers by now. Like you've been in the faith long enough where you should be doing what I'm doing right now. But some of us are so crippled by insecurity. We're so crippled by injury that we can't move forward. Some of you ought to be teachers by now. But what he says is this. Is you have a desire for milk and not solid food. So he literally says your appetites are a clear distinction of your lack of maturity. My dad used to make fun of me because even as an underclassman uh, in high school, you know, I cared about the gym and I cared about basketball. I had a basketball game the next day. Uh, and we would go off to uh, like a, a nice restaurant. We'd go off to like a cheesecake factory or something like that. And you have all these options of exotic foods and pastas and all these kind of things. And my dad would always make fun of me because he, he would see me just order cheese pizza or chicken fingers. <laughs> Shout out to chicken fingers, by the way. But there comes a point in your life where you can't just rely on having lunchables every day. Come on, anybody like a good Brazilian churrasco steak? Oh, everybody is awake in here. Oh, I have to mention steak and you guys wake up. That's great. But there comes a point in your faith where you can't just be like, oh, I'm ready for a Sunday sermon. You need some meat. You need some word. You need some doctrine in you. You need some theology in you. So that's why I always try and weave in some stuff. A soteriology and understanding salvation. That's why you should always be desiring for more growth. And even if it doesn't make sense sometimes, I was always somebody that I would I'd sit up here, I'd take my notes, I'd jot my notes down, and you should do your homework. And I use my sermon notes as my study habits for the rest of the week. So there are appetites that are clearly indicators of whether you're mature or immature or not. Am I making sense, everybody? appetites. Throw up the next one there. Five is this, is associates. The Bible says this, walk with the wise and become wise. But a companion fool suffers harm. Your relational circle, how would I say it like this? I'd say it. Your welfare and your well-being are not just determined by who you are, but who you are with. Jim Rome says it like this. He goes, the five closest people to you, you will share the average attitude, income, and health of the five people you spend the most time around. Walk with the wise, become wise. You cannot call yourself mature if you're only hanging around fools. So, and if we're honest with ourselves, most of us spend time with people that have convenient intersecting schedules and not people that propel our calling and our future for us. If we're honest... That's what relational intelligence is, is you have to be careful with who you associate with because you will naturally be influenced by them and you will influence them and you'll share the common values, beliefs, behaviors, and attitudes of the people you spend time with, associates. Six would be this, admittance and adjustments. So here's what the world says. Most of the world doesn't even say sorry or apologize for the things that they've done. Matter of fact, they gaslight everybody else and they think they're being gaslit in the first place. Don't get me started in soapbox on some of this. But in the Christian world, in kingdom faith, we take responsibility for the mistakes that we make. I wish I had somebody in here saying amen to that. We take, we take responsibility for our errors. And the world would say sorry, but God says repentance. There is a difference in kingdom culture. Sorry is I was wrong. Repentance is I was wrong and I'll make it right. The Bible says it like this in, uh, where is it, Matthew chapter 3. It talks about the fruits of repentance. So repentance is metanoia. It means to change and transform your mind, to literally change how you think about something. So repentance is changing how you think, but it's not just saying I was wrong. It's saying I'm going to make it right. 
So there is evidence of repentance. And there are some relationships where you are just like this the whole time, crossing your arms. And some of us know we've done wrong to some other people, to our husband or even to our wife. I felt like going off in the first service just because I know this is a stronghold for some people. You are putting a curse on all of your relationships if you are unwilling to take responsibility for the errors that you have made. You're putting a curse on it. And, and listen, and, and God wants to help you with that. But you have to drop your pride and be able to say, I was wrong and I will make it right. I want you to say that out loud, even, even just in a public setting like this. Somebody say this, I was wrong and I'll make it right. That is for the mature, because the mature know how to repent. They know how to say, I was wrong, and I'm going to make things right. But the people that cannot say sorry, the people that cannot admit that they were wrong, listen to me, you are putting a curse on your life, you're putting a curse on your family and your relationships. You must be willing to showcase the fruits of repentance. And here would be the last one. The ultimate test of spiritual maturity is you have attitude, associates, assignments, appetites, uh, admittance and adjustments, but you have ultimately authority. Is who makes the decisions for your life? Who makes the decisions? Is it your feelings or is it your father? Is it your wants or is it God's word? Who makes the decisions? Because the ultimate test of spiritual maturity is exactly that. Is are you going to follow God's ways or your own wants? And how's that working out for you? Spiritual maturity is all about authority. Let me wrap up with this little story. Um, for some of you guys maybe heard a story like this, and I had a conversation with Zion about this before, but I actually had my own experience with Ezra, my second born, two and a half years old. We're looking at this Polaroid picture, and my wife's in this picture, and, and Zion's in this picture, and, and Ezra was a little baby in this picture. And he's looking at uh, all these people, and I go, Ezzy, who's that? And he goes, that's mommy. And I go, Ezzy, who's that? He goes, that's, that's Zion. And then I point to little baby Ezzy, and he's all bald. He doesn't recognize. And I go, who's that? And he's like, I don't know. I go, who's that? And he's like, he's literally looking at Zion to the left. And he's like, Zion? <laughs> he's like, Zion's twice in this picture? It's weird. He's like, he goes, Zion. I go, that's not Zion. He goes, I go, who's that, Ezzy? He goes, it's Zion. I go, Ezzy, that's not Zion. And I go, that's baby Ezzy. He goes, baby Ezzy? He goes, I'm big Ezzy. <laughs> you know you've grown up when you look back at a previous season and you don't even recognize yourself that's my prayer for you that's my prayer for you is that you look back at a time like now because you put intentional effort and intentional investment to say I'm going to be all that God calls me to be and that's going to be our story amen connect church amen let me pray for you Father, I have accomplished my assignment and I have done what I can do. And I ask that you would do what you do now. I've done my part in identifying the target. Our goal is not to know more of the Bible, but ultimately become about the person of the Bible, and that's Jesus. And so help us, Lord, to do that. Would you remove obstacles, hindrances, injuries, insecurities, immaturity from us and grow us up. All of us are imperfect, but not all of us are immature. And for those that want to walk into maturity, I pray that that day would start right now in Jesus' name. 
So right now, would you loose maturity, loose the spirit of humility and maturity upon my church family in Jesus' mighty name. Now, for those of you, I have two groups of people I want to pray for, and we're going to worship together. For those of you that need to make Jesus your Lord and Savior and say, I want to experience God's best, and I don't want to pay for my sin. I'll trust in Jesus for doing that. I've tried to do that my whole life. You can't do it by yourself. You can't live life by yourself. I don't know how people go about life without having a strong faith, with how tough culture is and how tough life is nowadays. If that's you, I'm going to count to three. I'm going to ask you to shoot your hand up boldly and say, I need to say yes to Jesus and put my trust and faith in him. If that's you, one, two, three, shoot your hand up boldly and say, that's me. Hands all over this place. I see your hand and your hand and your hand back there. I see your hand, sir. Thank you so much. Your hands, ladies. Thank you so much. We're so proud of you. I see your hand in the back there, sir. Thank you so much. So proud of you. Is there anybody else? Come on, everybody repeat this prayer after me. Say, Jesus, I love you and I'm responding to you. Thank you for coming after me, for loving me, and for dying for my sin. Today, I receive your grace. I receive your forgiveness. I was a sinner in need of a Savior, and I put my trust in you. In Jesus' name. With every head bowed and eye closed still. For those of you, I know this doesn't hit everybody in the room, but this was my assignment is adulthood is to walk into the wisdom and the maturity of God. If that's you and this message has resonated with you and you say, I want to I transfer from being a believer to being a disciple. If that's you, I want you to shoot your hand up and I just need to see your hands. Then I'm, t- I'm, I'm tired of being stuck. I'm going to grow. Praise God. Put your hands down and stand to your feet. I'm going to pray for you and we're going to worship all together. Father, I pray that you would loose them from the bondage from the hurt, from the addiction, from the injuries. Help us. Come on, team. Come behind me. Help us to see us the way you see us. Come on. I want you to agree with me, church family. You need to learn how to respond and and express your faith with words. Help us to see us the way you see us, God. That there is a mighty man of valor on the inside. That there is a man or a woman of God that has not been introduced yet. But our life matters so much more than just staying stuck and staying stagnant in our faith. So I pray that you would use a sermon like this, you would use a Sunday like this to help us to take the next step going forward. That we would be hungry for the Word of God. We would be hungry to be around people that want to grow. So help us to heal. Help us to find relationships that can resource us and to walk into the fullness of God and all that He has for us. In Jesus' mighty name.